Good evening and welcome to the Lockdown Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and follow our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and the Megaphone app. Subscribing is free and keeps you up to date on the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis. On tonight's episode, we are going to be closing out and concluding our series on the Seattle draft expansion stuff right before we head into a week of special episodes where I will be hosting a co-episode with the Locked On Flames folks. Both of their hosts will be covering two of the shows, and I'll have the first episode as we dive into this Winnipeg versus Calgary upcoming play-in playoff series. Stay tuned for that uh, later in this coming week, and hopefully you guys really enjoy that deeper dive into what the Calgary Flames and Winnipeg Jets might give us, because both teams are surprisingly comparable when you dig deep down and start dissecting the two. But before we get to the playoffs, we'll talk about the Seattle team first. And uh, we're actually now onto the St. Louis Blues. Our previous episodes covered the uh, teams all the way from Anaheim to, I believe, it is uh, the San Jose Sharks. Forget alphabetical order sometimes. It's a it's a weekend. You know, give company some slack. Um, as far as what we might see from uh, the St. Louis Blues and who this team uh, could potentially be giving up to a young Seattle franchise, there's quite a few options, actually. I kind of like Zach Sanford potentially being somebody that's exposed, although he is an RFA, and I'm not exactly sure what the eligibility requirements are. As far as their more veteran players, uh, they do have guys like Alexander Steen that they could offer. Braden Shen might be an option. I think for me, Tyler Bozak or David Perron might make sense. Uh, Perron has already been through uh, the expansion process as a member of the Vegas Golden Knights, so it's not like he's alien to this whole concept, and he's got a couple of years left on his deal. I think I would probably prioritize moving somebody like Bozak first, because I think Perron is the better player, he's a bit cheaper, and he's a bit younger. Bozak is somebody who I think is actually fairly productive and good, and if you give him like a middle six role, he'll excel as like a third line center. But with the Blues, I think that they could shed a bit of salary on his deal, you know, and it expires in a season or two, so it's not like they're hard up to keep him around. They could, you know, give somebody like, I guess, Kairou, Samuel Blay, uh, Robert Thomas, any of these other players, one of those roster spots instead to anchor that third line where he's currently playing. If Sanford is available, though, I could definitely see him being a point of interest for the new Seattle franchise. He's a young left winger with some decent middle six upside. Not a high-end player by any stretch of the imagination, but he's not that expensive. He wouldn't take a whole lot to re-sign, and he is at the age where he's in his prime. I wouldn't say that there are many blue liners that they should be taking a look at claiming. It's mostly some not great players for the most part. I think... uh, St. Louis would probably protect a guy like Vince Dunn if he is eligible for exposure. I'm not exactly sure what his contract situation is, but I believe he is projected to uh, meet the 40-70 requirement. They also would have to protect Alex Petrangelo and Colton Pareko, and the only reason that they wouldn't have to protect Petrangelo is if Petrangelo leaves in free agency, which is entirely an option. He is 30, he's in the last year of his deal, and he's at six and a half million bucks. Frankly, the Blues might have a tough time uh, re-signing him. So it's not like he isn't a candidate for being on the outs. But I I think they would probably go for one of the forwards first. Although, you know, I haven't really mentioned a whole lot of defenders that Seattle has taken on. 
and Petrangelo is definitely one of the best blue liners in the league. What could happen is if the Blues sign an extension for him and then he is left up for exposure, but I, I doubt that. I would think that if Petrangelo resigns, it's to stay with St. Louis. More likely, though, Alex seems like the kind of guy who might end up in the Maple Leafs roster somehow. Not sure on that one yet. Uh, there's also Justin Falk, and Falk is signed until 2027 at almost, uh, no, he is six and a half million bucks a year, which is just way too much money for a guy who is like a high-end third-pairing blue liner. If the Blues can get that contract off the books, I think they're looking a lot happier, but right now I think they actually like him and they value him, so I don't 100% know what to make of that. From the Tampa Bay Lightning, uh, we have quite a few players that are going to be eligible for this whole expansion draft, and to be honest, the, the Lightning are in a little bit of trouble here. Um, they have a lot of really valuable players, and not enough spots to protect all of them. So in this case, what might happen is Tyler Johnson is signed until 2024, and I think that Johnson, among all of their players, is one of the more expendable just because of his health issues. He's still very capable and a pretty good top nine forward. I just think that for five million bucks, uh, with several years left on his contract and you know serious health concerns, he might be one of the players that Tampa Bay would pay assets to get rid of. And it's not like they would do this willingly. They'd do it because, you know, it's, it's just going to be hard for them to find space for a lot of these players. I could also see an Andre Pilat going. Um, you know, Pilat, Killorn, and Johnson are all kind of in the same boat of being productive but on the older side. And Tampa Bay, frankly, needs a little more cap room and trying to move some guys out so they can bring in some of their younger prospects. They're starting to near the point where their core is probably going to turn over, and their defense is actually on the older side, so I would expect... Uh, the claim to probably come from one of their forward ranks because they have a lot of talented forwards and those guys would be immediately impactful in a Seattle roster that's probably not going to have a lot of depth. If the Kraken start off with like a Palat or a Johnson in their top six, I think that they would be pretty pleased to get some value out of that. And uh, if, you, if you got like a, a Palat, you know, he's not going to be around for too, too long. So you're not really tied to that contract. And Johnson is only signed through 2024. On the defensive side of things, I mean, there aren't that many options. Uh, I guess you might look at a Shattenkirk or, or a Ryan McDonough, but Shattenkirk is a free agent after this year. I can't imagine that he sticks around because he needs quite a bit of cash. McDonough is signed until 2026, and I think that that is a particularly difficult contract to move. Uh, in their goaltending ranks, they've got a couple of guys that maybe could get claimed. I mean, you've got Scott Wedgwood. Curtis McElhaney is apparently still around. He's just like 37 now. Dude never seems to age. Mike Condon is also an option, although Condon and Wedgwood are both free agents after this season. So, eh, you know, not really sure what they do with there. Uh, there's also like Spencer Martin, but I don't think that he really uh, qualifies for this whole thing. From the Lightning, I, I would expect one of the higher paid older forwards to be the one that Tampa Bay tries to get Seattle to take over some of their other players. Like Tampa Bay and some of the other teams, Toronto seems to have an endless supply of pretty decent to okay forwards. They have a lot of guys who are signed on decent contracts that are uh, a lot of fair value deals. Um, you've got Kasperi Kapanen as an RFA, uh, signed through 2022 for $3 million or so. Andreas Janssen, another free agent who will be a UFA in 2023, and he's signed for almost $3.5 million. Uh, Alexander Kerfoot signed for $3.5 million. So all of these players are pretty good value, and obviously they're going to have to protect Matthews, Tavares, Marner, and Nylander. After that, it starts to get a little bit trickier. So if you are, uh, I think, if you're thinking Seattle, 
you would probably look to get somebody like, I don't know, a Nick Patan or, or one of these other players, maybe like Zach Hyman. Zach Hyman might not be somebody that they view highly enough to protect, uh, and he would be an okay player. I think that he would be uh, a KG veteran winger who can play a defensive role. You know, he's got some minor scoring upside, not really high end, but I don't envision that he's the kind of player Toronto really gets upset about losing. Uh, on the blue line, they don't really have too many guys to protect that I think they, they would be really upset about losing. Uh, Muzzin is definitely on the older side, though he's still productive. He's signed until 2024 at uh, $5.5 Barry is going to be a free agent, and I would not really expect Barry to be back unless they really believe in him. But, you know, generally speaking, I think it's going to be one of the forwards. And there's just a, a lot of options for solid middle six guys to pluck out of here. You know, Dennis Malgin would be an interesting claim, although I'm not sure if he'll be eligible either. My, I'm pretty sure he will be. I'm just not 100% sure. But Malgin would be like a fine third-line claim if you want to do that. Pretty cheap as well, generally speaking. Vancouver really needs to figure out a way how to dump, you know, somebody like Tyler Myers or Louis Erickson. Any of those players off to Seattle would be a, a big help for their roster because right now they're kind of stuck in cap hell. Uh, they're already thinking about trading Brock Besser, partly because they haven't left themselves any room to re-sign him, and they're entering a flat cap space. So they have a lot of money on the books. If they can pay to get rid of an Erickson who signed until 2022 or convince Seattle somehow that uh, claiming Myers is worth it, which probably not happening, but if you pay, you know, pay them assets and futures, maybe they'll take him on. That would be an option. The problem is, is I think Vancouver likes Tyler Myers, so they might stick by that contract. And in my opinion, that's definitely a mistake. But it was already a mistake to sign him in the first place at the contract uh, size that they did. So they kind of have to make their peace with that. If they don't like it, unfortunately, there's not really any way to get out of it. They're going to have to drop some of their younger players and hope that Seattle t takes the bait on one of their deals whether it's paying assets or just trying to convince them that somebody is better than one of the other depth forwards. Up next are the Washington Capitals, and they have tons of players to protect, so I could see a guy like maybe Richard Ponick being one of the guys that they send over. They have a lot of players similar to the Maple Leafs who are middle sixers, signed to very decent value contracts. You know, a Haglin or a Ponick, maybe even like a an Eller gets claimed, and I think the Caps would be satisfied with that being the damage done. Similarly, their defender situation is kind of in the same boat with a lot of guys like Nick Jensen and Radko Gudis. Gudis, I think that they would probably be upset about losing, but, you know, Kempney could get claimed. Some of these other players, I think that they would be comfortable losing because they're two and a half million dollar, uh, maybe four or five D rating guys. Not super high end, but not exactly slouches either and, and productive players in their own right. So I, I think that generally speaking, the caps would be okay. Where Washington is in longer-term tr trouble is trying to re-sign somebody like Jakob Vrana. I think they're lucky that he doesn't score more points than he does because if he did, he'd be an extremely expensive asset and they don't have a whole lot of cap room to negotiate and move around. The Caps definitely have a lot of work to do and they could potentially get a little bit of help working you know, hand-in-hand -hand with this new Seattle franchise. Maybe they somehow send Oshie off to, uh, I guess, Seattle. Although, I, for me, I think Oshie is actually productive enough and a, a valuable member of, of their core, as it is, especially if they want to make multiple cup runs. Even though he is 33, I just think it's hard to, to move that deal as it is. He's settled, they like him, he's a fan favorite, and he's still a very good top six producer. The only problem is that he gets hurt a lot, so that would definitely make Seattle less keen on taking on both his money and his age. 
As far as the Jets are concerned, Winnipeg is probably going to be uh, in, in a little bit of a pinch. I think that they have a lot of depth forwards that they probably wouldn't be thrilled about losing. Um, Andrew Kopp and Adam Lowry would be guys that I think would be probably closer to the chopping block. If you have to choose between one or the other, it's, for me, got to be Adam Lowry. I think that Kopp is too valuable to let go to Seattle. And I, I definitely love Adam Lowry's game, but he's a shade older, and I think his total upside is lesser than what Andrew Kopp can bring. You know, a lot of people have said that Kopp has, like, hands of stone, especially in front of the net, but I think, in my opinion, you know, he's just very capable at distributing the puck. He's good in the corners. He has a pretty decent shot. You know, he's not a poacher or a high-end goal scorer, but when he's on the ice, he's capable of generating a lot of transition play and really offering stable defensive and offensive value in both ends of the ice. Expansion-wise, I think the Jets are going to be fine. I think that they have plenty of depth forwards and prospects to call up in case of, of serious issues. Their biggest issue right now is still that they just don't have a second-line center, but it's not like they're going to be losing somebody like that, uh, especially during the expansion draft. The only guy that really could lay a claim to being a quiet second-line center is Cop at this point, and I think that he would be somebody that the Jets, as far as their skaters are concerned, they protect. This also might be the time that Matthew Perot finally leaves the Jets. He, you know, he's got another year on his deal, and he's at $4 million. And, you know, while we all love Perot, he definitely misses a lot of games, and at this stage of his career is definitely starting to decline a bit. It would be hard to say goodbye, but I think that he was an incredibly important member of this team while the core was still very competitive. And, you know, we're starting to enter the time where the Jets roster needs to turn over a bit. And I think, unfortunately, Perot would be one of the first guys to go. I wouldn't call it the ideal outcome, but, you know, keeping Lowry instead of Perot, I can live with. It's just, I, I really love Perot, and I would very much hate to see him go, especially to Seattle. I think that he's one of those guys who continually contributes. He's a very skilled player. Any line he's on, he generally improves, and it's going to suck if he goes. To close this out, I thought I would take a look at uh, Team Seattle NHL 4.0 from the uh, athletic author Eric Duhatchik, which he actually did a projected draft, and there were quite a few more players who are eligible for drafting than I was expecting. So his list looks kind of interesting. A couple of these players I could definitely see. Uh, we have coming from Anaheim, Isaac Lundestrom, then from Boston, Nick Ritchie, Calgary, elects to let Sam Bennett go, Chicago lets Alexander Nylander go, Colorado loses Tyson Jost, Edmonton loses Puyayarvi, the Kings give up Austin Wagner, Nashville loses Colton Sissons, uh, the Islanders give up Josh Bailey, which I think that they would be more than okay with, the Rangers lose Lee's Anderson, which makes sense. I think that there's a, a, a bit of a messy divorce there. And then Philadelphia loses James Van Riemsdyk, which I, he was one guy that I thought could be on the outs. The Blues would lose Sammy Blay, which I could definitely see. Tampa Bay gives up Alexander Volkov. Toronto gives up Pierre Engvall. The Caps give up TJ Oshie. And Winnipeg gives up Adam Lowry. As far as the forwards are concerned, this is actually a pretty decent mixture of, of middle six players with a couple of high-end top six players, but most of the top six guys are definitely pretty old. Tyson Jost is one of those guys who I feel like was very highly touted after his World Juniors, but aside from some modest improvements year over year, he tends to be more of like a middle six center than he is a top six player, so I feel like if the Avs lose him, they would be upset, but not heartbroken. It's not like his impact can't be replaced internally. I think uh, as far as players that teams would be upset about losing, um, Poya Yarvi would suck because I think Poya Yarvi 
for a lot of uh, Oilers fans had so much potential and then the Oilers just kind of trashed all of it and now he's really kind of an estranged member of the family. So that's he's an intriguing player because I think there there was evidence when he was early on with the Oilers that his underlying numbers were much better than anyone expected and he has potential talent as a reclamation project. The rest of the guys, you know, Colton Sissons is a really good middle six forward, and I think that his game tends to be extremely underrated. I think the same thing can be said about Austin Wagner, though Wagner, I tend to think, is more uh, a play driver than he is a direct scorer himself. Josh Bailey eats up cap space and can be decently productive alongside a talented center, but that center was, for many years, John Tavares, so I don't really know what you're going to get out of him. Uh, James Van Riebsdyk, I think, will be a fine winger. You know, he's definitely on the older side, but he's still a productive goal scorer. Volkov, Engvall, and I think probably Sammy Blay, and to an extent, if he pans out, Leas Anderson. You've got plenty of, like, bottom six depth forwards there with some, you know, third line upside. I don't know a whole lot about Isaac Lindestrom, so I won't talk about him too much. Nick Ritchie and Bennett, as well as Nienlander, are all kind of in that same category of being talented, if not spectacular and maybe decent bottom six players, but I would not expect them to excel particularly much. Bennett, you know, definitely showed flashes at one point for Calgary, but overall has kind of been a quote-end-quote bust for them, generally speaking. Oshie and Lowry would probably be two of my top picks for the best players taken for this forward unit because those guys are very good at what they do. Uh, Lowry is an excellent shutdown center, and I am totally biased because I'm a Jets fan, but Oshie is just a really good top six scorer. He will be injured a lot, though, is my guess. So as positive as he would be in terms of on-ice production, not really sure if he's going to be able to stick around for too, too many games. The defense is where things start to get a lot more interesting. Uh, he has projected Brandon Montour from Buffalo, Jake Bean from Carolina, Marcus Nutivara from Columbus, Julius Honka from Dallas, Gustav Lindstrom from Detroit, Mackenzie Weger from Florida, uh, Jonas Brodin from the Wild, Ben Chirot from Montreal, Mirko Mueller from New Jersey, Maxim Lejoie from Ottawa, and Brent Burns from the San Jose Sharks. I think that there's a lot of really good young talent here mixed with some very expensive contracts. Brent Burns is obviously one of the biggest L's here because, you know, Brent is 35 and he's signed forever and he's just not that good anymore. He's the kind of guy you want San Jose to pay you to take, so if, if you're taking that contract on, it had better be worth it. You know, having guys like Montour is okay, but Montour is, I think, in my opinion, not that great. And I feel like defensively, he just doesn't do a whole lot, so he would be a good trade chip. Marcus Nutivaro would be a great top four defenseman. I think Julius Honka is probably in a similar bracket. Mackenzie Weger has shown very well in the minutes that he's been given, and Brodeen is a guy that you can count on as being a really solid two-way anchor on your back end. Sherrod is somebody I would probably look to flip because I don't think he's going to be capable of repeating what he's doing with the Habs. I think Montreal has used him in a way that suits his skill sets, but I would not be surprised at all to see him struggle outside of that situation. I think that that is something where he would not be as good or effective in a, a new environment that doesn't favor him. Uh, looking at the goaltenders, we've got Antti Ranta from Arizona, Matt Murray from Pittsburgh, and Thatcher Demko from Vancouver. I would be very shocked to see Demko not uh, being protected somehow because I think Demko is one of their most important players of the future. And it's not like they're swimming in high-end goalies elsewhere. Antti Ranta, yeah, he's fine to expose because he gets injured a lot, and even though he's an excellent goalie, Arizona seems to have a whole plethora of them at this point. Matt Murray, I think Pittsburgh wouldn't mind getting rid of his contract. Murray can be an effective netminder, but I think he's pretty average at best. 
and at worst he's a real sinker. He's got a similar deal to Connor Hellebuck, but he's noticeably worse, and I feel like as far as a reclamation project is concerned, you could try and hope that he recovers some form, but, you know, Pittsburgh is not going to be willing to give up too many players, and, you know, this Seattle team is going to need a young netminder, so maybe they give Matt Murray a shot to see what happens. Let me know what you guys thought about this expansion draft coverage, and if you guys have any thoughts about who you would claim over some of these players, let me know at HLLivingLoco or at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. Before you log off, be sure to check out our Locked On National podcast hosted by Sarah Avampato. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great night, and go Jets go.